Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. I want to add two names to this list. In the high school, we have uh, press, uh, Jack Wasserman. And on the uh, college list, we have Danielle Paris graduating from USC. And you see the Crest High School graduates, our local folks. Um, 
those names before you. And there will be a meal right after the service uh, to honor them and kind of find out what their plans are for the future and uh, let them express that. So we appreciate them and their accomplishments. And uh, it's a big milestone when you start out on real life. <laughs> and uh, so we, we thank God for them. Now we're going to have our baptismal service and Wesley will give more detail of that from the pulpit. Y'all look good sitting down there. <laughs> I tell you, this is a, a special, special time and I think we're all honored to be able to uh, be a part of what God does in people's lives. And that's the special thing about being the church. And so we're glad that you're able to be here to witness this and to, to see Two people this morning who have made professions of faith and have said, Jesus is in me, and Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm being transformed and changed, and I want to make this public. Baptize a, a young man here in just a second, and then uh, we're going to baptize Zoe, and Zoe's going to have the, uh, the privilege and honor of being baptized by her uncle Steve. So uh, Steve will come out here after I baptize Tanner, and he'll... Baptized Zoe Hamrick, so we're glad that, that he's able to be a part of that. I know that's a special thing for them and their family. Tanner? This is Tanner George. Some of you haven't had the opportunity to have met Tanner yet, but he's going to be getting married here in the, about the next month to uh, Malia Nolan. And um, Tanner has come and said, Jesus is Lord of his life. And he wants to make that public. So we're, we're here to, to, to do that today. Tanner, do you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sir, I do. Man, amen. Well, brother, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Zoe Hamrick, and I get the privilege and honor of baptizing Zoe this morning. You know, a couple of weeks back, she calls me up on the phone, and she said that she had an option to be baptized by Wesley or by me, and she chose me. And I, I got to tell you, there was one of my eyes when she didn't just want to know Zoe, and when she did that. But I really appreciate this opportunity to be here this morning. I want to thank her, and I want to thank you guys for allowing this to be possible. Because like Wesley, I want to instill in you the fact that what you've done is an important thing in your life. This is an outward symbol of an inner change that's happening in you. And that inner change is something that is seen in you first, and then is witnessed by us here. And we're so proud of you, and we're so proud of what's happening with you. And I want you to know that right now in heaven, there are angels singing because you are now not only my niece, but you're my sister in Christ. I'm your brother. So Zoe, in front of all of these, in front of your family, in front of friends, and all of the witnesses in heaven, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then based on your profession of faith and based on your
I want to uh, welcome you to the service this morning, and I want to, as we always do, welcome visitors. If you're visiting with us and you have not signed a visitor's card, if you would do that, you'll find one in a close pew rack, and uh, uh, we can use that to get back in touch with you. And of course, our care cards, if you know of someone that needs prayer, someone who needs a visit, a call, uh, whatever, uh, please jot that down uh, on that uh, care card and also turn that in to the offering plate. We're so glad to have you today. And um, just a, a few announcements. Remember that the uh, children's musical tonight is at 6 o'clock. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, WMU Prayer Group will meet Monday instead of Tuesday. Uh, and VBS donations are needed. Just please see the bulletin. You'll see what is needed in that. And uh, Heidi Dobbins said the softball schedule was wrong, but she didn't tell me what the right one was. <laughs> but just, just know that one's wrong. <laughs> and we'll, <laughs> we'll correct it later on. Uh, so we're glad to see you. I hope you get a, a blessing out of the service today as we worship together. As you can tell, since we've got two mics up here, we're having a little bit of issues with our sound. Now, gentlemen, the choir can't hear anything back there, so you need to kind of feed that back to them. We're going to sing our first hymn, which is number 60, and it is Be Thou My Vision. And graduates, I picked this because you always need to let the Lord be your eyes and not ones ourselves. Be thou my vision. Let's stand as we sing. Number 60, please.
Okay, good morning, y'all. Um, when you graduate from school, whether it be preschool, elementary school, high school, or even college, you receive a diploma. Do y'all know what a diploma is? Yeah? <laughs> well, although it may just be a piece of paper, um, it is very meaningful and important. Uh, the Bible is also full of pieces of paper, and like a diploma, each one is very special. Each piece has a word that has words that mean something important, and together, every piece of paper in the Bible comes together to make the most important book in the world. And I have a verse I want to share from Hebrews chapter four, and it is verse twelve. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we read the Bible, we're reading a special, special message from God himself. And it contains every answer we need. And that's why it's so important. God wants us to use the Bible to spread his word and his love to others. So any time that you receive something important in your life, you should remember the importance of the Bible and how special it is. So let's pray. Dearly Father, I thank you for this day and for all of the many blessings you have placed in our lives. I thank you for the Bible and for the meaning it has in our lives. I pray that we will all turn to it for guidance and also use it to spread your love. Lead us, guide us, and keep us safe. In your holy name we pray, amen. Gentlemen, I'm just going to hold it, okay? Our next song is called 10,000 Reasons About Why We Need to Bless the Lord. So you will need your bulletin. That's why I ran back there because the graduates didn't have a bulletin in their hands. And I thought, well, if anybody needs it, they do. So that's why I ran back. So grab a bulletin as we sing together 10,000 Reasons. Let's stand, please. <coughs>
together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have these moments of worship that we can through song to praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of voice, for the gift of communication. We praise you, O Lord. We praise the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, we do not always understand the mystery of your existence, but we praise you for the life you have created, the new life you offer, and the continuing presence both for today and for for all of the tomorrows of our life. We pray, O Lord, that you would teach us to seek your will, that you would teach us how to show your will of love, compassion, equity, equality, a love that allows all to come into your presence. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus the Christ who walked the way that we walk, who showed us how to seek the Father's will, the Father's love, who showed us how to be your presence in the world. We pray, O Lord, for these that are about to graduate. We ask, O Lord, your watch care over their lives, their dreams, and their futures. Help them, O Lord, as they go into a world that is ever-changing, that you would keep them centered in you that they might have a faith that would grow both in action and understanding. Thankful, Lord, we are for the contributions, not only to the church, but to the world, that they have opportunity to make. Dear Lord, we would ask your presence among our number, both physically as well as the numbers in our hearts of the names of people who are suffering today. We pray, our Lord, for those that perhaps are lonely who might be in a medical facility. We pray, O Lord, for those who are anxious as they wait test results, as they anticipate a future that is not unsure. We pray, O Lord, for those with specific illness. We pray, O Lord, for those in economic need or emotional hardship. We ask, O Lord, your abiding presence for each of them. 
Help us, O Lord, to discover the ways that we can be a faithful comforter in partnership with you as we seek to demonstrate love. We thank you, Lord, for this time in our church. We're grateful for the ministries and the ministers that we have known. We're grateful, Lord, for our current church staff. Thank you, Lord, especially for Jim as he's led us during this interim time of transition. And for our new pastor-to-be, he and his family, we pray, O Lord, your guidance, your watch care, as they trust you, as they take a, a chance or a faith and trust in us to be a people who will support the will and the work of God in this community. Bless them, O Lord, as they make their move, as they say their goodbyes, and even as they learn to say hello to us. Guide us in the remainder of this worship service. Help us, O Lord, to find you as our vision, you as our reason for living. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for community to come together to praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next hymn is number 595. 595, Send the Light. We're going to sing only the first, third, and last stanza. Let's stand as we sing, please.
if you'll pardon me, I'm going to ask you guys to step to the side, if y'all would, because I'm going to take a quick opportunity that I don't get a lot. And we're going to take a selfie <laughs> with the graduates. Here we go. Uh, about the best. I there we go. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we are very grateful for the opportunity to be in your house. God, we acknowledge you and what a great and loving God you are. Father, we've come to a very special time in our service this morning where we give to you what is yours, acknowledging that you have given us everything. And Father, we can never say thank you enough. We love you. And we ask, God, that you would continue to show us your presence all around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Take another one. such as today with the uh, Graduate Sunday. I always 
try to look for anthems, choir anthems that will fit with the, with this occasion. And the song that we're about to sing is one that I don't know if you know it or not. If you listen to uh, Christian radio, you might have heard it. It has an odd title, Oceans Where Feet May Fail. And what the, the gist of the song is that the Lord calls us into deeper and deeper oceans in our lives. But through that, we have to keep our eyes on Him and not on the oceans that are there around us. So that whenever we keep our eyes focused on Him, it doesn't matter how deep or how shallow the ocean is. We can make it. And ultimately, hopefully in our lives we can say, I am yours. You are mine. Oceans where feet may fail. Thank <laughs> you. 
I do appreciate these graduates this morning. If you see me kind of turning this way, you know why. <laughs> I do appreciate them. It's an exciting time in your life, and we'll have a meal after the service to honor you. But what I am going to be sharing this morning is not so much about the graduates. We have um, three more Sundays together. All right, is that coming through? It is? Okay. We have three more Sundays together, and I wanted to try to take these three opportunities to talk about things that I think are very important for this church as Keith comes to lead you. Key things, important things to keep in mind to make this a successful time in the future. And the key point this morning comes from Matthew 9, verses 36 through 38 talks basically about all of us willing to be involved. I hope everyone here this morning, when Keith comes, you will really get serious about it. If you have not been involved in this church, you have not volunteered, you have not wanted to maybe get involved as you ought, this will be the time when you'll do it. And that'll be one of the keys. But let, let me read the scripture, Matthew 9, 36 through 38. And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. In this scripture, my friends, Jesus gives two pictures of mankind. One, he says, is like a ravaged flock without a shepherd. He looks at mankind and he sees they're like sheep that are lost. Their shepherd is not there. No one to lead them to the green grass. No one to lead them to the still waters. They're alone. They're lost. They're afraid. They need a shepherd. It's kind of a sad picture. But another picture he has is of hopefulness. He compares mankind to a harvest field, ready to be brought in. The harvest out there is a good harvest. The harvest out there is a wonderful harvest. It's an image of hopefulness and joy. It's also an image of compassion and love. The scripture says that when Jesus saw the people... One way you could interpret that is rabble, when he saw the rabble. So maybe when you think of rabble, this, this maybe was a tough-looking crowd. <laughs> maybe when they were dirty or unwashed or unruly. When he saw those kind of people, even those, my friends, he didn't think they were stupid. He didn't think they were ungodly. He did not think I ought to avoid them. They were not repulsive. What? He had compassion. He felt for them. He wanted to reach them. He wanted to touch them. He wanted to make a difference. And that compassion is a strong word. If it's translated literally, it means pain of love. That he loved them so much it hurt. He cared for them. They needed a spiritual leader. He not only felt it, he did something about it. And he saw them ready to respond. Jesus was never cynical or callous. He was always hopeful as he saw people. 
Jesus saw people ready to respond to the gospel and granted enough people, granted enough workers, more people to do the work, a great harvest could be won. Jesus was always an optimist. Jesus always felt that the world was worth winning. People out there of talent and ability and can be a great blessing to this church that are not a part, but they're worth winning. And Jesus loves them as much as he does us. And the point, my friends, is the church should have the same optimistic view. We don't look out there and, oh, we, we can't reach out to the folks. They're different. They don't believe like we do. They've had troubles. That's not the way Jesus looked at people. Have you ever wondered why people flocked to Jesus? He had big crowds all around him and avoided the religious leaders like the scribes and Pharisees. You never hear all the scribes and Pharisees had this big sea of people listening to them. No. Because Jesus and those legalistic leaders saw people in different ways. The Pharisees saw them, uh, re remove yourself from them. They are sinful. They are to be avoided. They deserve judgment. Jesus saw them as sheep that needed to be cared for. He saw them as a wonderful and valuable harvest to be reaped and saved. The Pharisees in pride looked for the destruction of sinners. Jesus in love died for sinners. He could tell that they cared for them. And we need the work, in the work of the Lord, we need both who will care for the sheep, and that kind of can refer to the people already here, the sheep. The ones that are here, the ones that we need to help to get involved when they get sick and when they, uh, when they come in and they want to take a part and, and they're going through crisis, we need to take care of the sheep. And then the ones in the field, that's a work out there. So it's a work within and without. Both are equally important. What is the work for us as a church, my friends? To care for people. Look at the typical Christian congregation. You look within these walls. You see happy families. You see people that are involved, who enjoy their church. They enjoy their community. It's a happy picture. But look outside those walls. Look outside those stained glass windows. There's men and women and boys and girls that have no place, that have never heard the gospel, living maybe hard, lonely, and difficult lives. Christ would look and have care and compassion not only for the people within, but also just as much for the people without. His love and care would be just as strong for those that are not here this morning as for those that are here. But the great yearning of Christ in these verses is to delegate the load, to share the load. You look at this congregation full of talented, concerned, able people. And for all of us to find a place in involvement, Jesus talked about there's not enough workers. All of us need to be a part of a greater work. This was and is the plan of Jesus. Jesus saw himself as a sower, but the disciples would be the reapers generation after generation. And there's never been so large a harvest as there is today. Never been a time when more laborers are needed.
Paul spoke of the church as the body of Christ. So we each find our gift. We find a way to function. We find a way to get involved and where it should be. We find our spiritual gifts and we use them. And the picture, my friends, is a picture of involvement and activity and cooperation. The call of the church is to empower this workforce. Let me tell you an interesting fact. In the history of the Christian church, the clergy as such, preachers, didn't begin until the third century. First 300 years, people did the work. They said, it's our church, we're going to do it. And then after a while they decided we need a special person to do that. So they started ordaining preachers. When did the church grow the most? The first 300 years. <laughs> we pay this guy to do this. We'll let him do it. Then we'll watch and see how he does. <laughs> That's a recipe for failure. A recipe for failure. People were doing the work. They got the joy of being involved. And it was the greatest time of growth in the Christian church. The work of God must be a team effort, a work of many people. And it's kind of a twofold responsibility, my friends. Leaders must lead the people to work. They must point the direction. They must point the place. But people must be willing to follow. They must be willing to help do it. Five and a half years, I was pastor of Big Springs Baptist Church in Hollis. During the time there, the Sunday school doubled, worship attendance tripled, we built a new building, built a new parking lot, way over budget when I left there. Someone might look at that and say, well, boy, didn't that Jim Richardson do a good job? No, that is a wrong way to look at that, my friend. Didn't those people do a great job? If I were the only one doing it, it would have failed 100%. If this new preacher comes in and he's the only one doing it, it will fail 100% no matter how good he is. You've got to help him. You've got to help him. You've got to share the load. One of the most discouraging things for preachers is they turn around and they think they're the only one pushing it, or maybe very few people doing that. That's the great challenge. Jesus said to pray. Pray that there'd be more laborers to be sent into the fields. People that would be moved to get involved and burdened to take the claims of the gospel more seriously. We need to do that. The story is told of Martin Luther. He was called into the monastery. He was called there to copy scripture and to pray and to get up the next day and do the same thing. He had a friend in there. This was a cloistered life. This was the life apart. But his friend one day got up and said, Martin, I'm too burdened for the folks that don't know the Lord. I must leave this place. You pray for me as I go. And then he left. A few nights later, Martin had a dream. He had a dream of a huge wheat field. And there was his friend trying to gather it all by himself. And he said, I can't stay here. I've got to go with him. And he started a great work there. The dream of Christ is that every Christian be involved in the work of God and witness to the faith. All the members of the body of Christ are responsible for its work. There's so much room for the work of the Lord within and without. So much that needs to be done. Sometimes the harvest will never be reaped because there are not enough reapers to reap it. Jesus needs people. His voice could reach so few. He was one person. 
And many times, my friends, you know this, when churches work, there's a work to be done on the inside, there's a work to be done on the outside, but many times a large, too much larger percentage is dedicated to the inside work. We work on the grounds here. We work on the building. We take care of the Sunday school classes. We do circles. We do all things for us. We do it for ourselves. And more work needs to be done out there. It's the work of the people, all the people. If a child is to be taught, if a prayer is to be uttered, if a Christian program is to be run, if a witness is to be shared, if a lonely person is to be visited, if plans and strategies are to be worked on, a person has to do it. A person has to do it. Oh, my friends, we need the people of God to be involved in the work of God. And so many churches function today a small amount of people are very deeply involved and so many others are spectators. Why is that? Sometimes leaders won't let go. They've been in this position for umpteen million years and they're not going to give a new person a chance, so they just won't let go. Sometimes a small percentage is involved because the organization is not in place to give people the opportunity to be involved. Sometimes a small number are involved because people don't feel they're needed. They've never been asked. Sometimes a small number are involved because some people just don't want to be involved. <laughs> they just don't. So the church goes along, my dear friends, doing its day-to-day tasks, visiting the sick, visiting the bereaved, planning worship services, organizing Sunday school, doing the music, doing the committee, and a vast number of people just are not involved. Do you love the Lord? Let this be a time when this new preacher comes that you'll step forward. Do something you've never done before. Tell the young preacher you want to help him. Say you volunteer for something you've never been volunteered before. If a new ministry is planned, step up and say, I'll help do that. Plans are made, decisions and strategies to be pursued, and so many are on the sideline. If these people want to be a part, to be involved, how the work of the Lord could be strengthened and broadened and deepened. The great challenge of the church of modern America and a great challenge to this church is to empower the workforce. In some churches it's just like few people do all the work, but empower the workforce The great challenge is not to see what is being done, but realize what could be done. To see the talent and faith and abilities of many people to pray and organize, to increase the laborers. Task of the pastor is to point the direction. This is where we want to go. This is where what we want to accomplish. The task of the people is just pick it up. Pick it up. I remember in that dear church at 
Hollis, they were out visiting, they were out working, they were out telephoning. They had a heart not only for themselves but for the community. And God blessed it. I'll be praying you in this, for you in this effort. And nothing would give me more joy. Nothing would give me more a sense of just complete satisfaction that when Keith comes, and I think he's the man for it, to hear every week, every month in the years ahead to see this church flourishing. The possibility has always been there. Follow him. Follow the Lord. Get involved. Step up. And God can bless. Let's bow together. Father, help us to get involved. If we've never been involved before, help us to do it. Father, we extend this invitation. If there be any here, Lord, that need to make commitments of any kind, we stand ready to receive those people. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Our hymn of commitment is 285, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. 285, let's stand please. service here and uh, we look forward to that you speak a word to them of congratulation and uh, we look forward to the fellowship after the service
Let's bow together for our benediction, and I'll lead us from the rear of the auditorium. Let's bow together. Father, we're thankful for these graduates and the promise they have for a life and a future that is good. We pray, Father, that you will guide their steps, help them to know the grace of knowing you and loving you and following you. Bless us and guide us in the days ahead. All these things we ask in thy name. Amen. service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.